Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm joined by Washington football team quarterback Taylor Heineke as he discusses his high school days and more as he returns to his native state of Georgia on Sunday to face the Atlanta Falcons. By the way, he grew up a Green Bay Packers fan, courtesy of his late father, Brett. Also, ESPN Falcons reporter Michael Rothstein joins me for a preview of Sunday's game. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Rothstein, R-O-T-H-S-T-E-I-N. He also has a podcast called From the Perch about the Atlanta Falcons. I was a guest on there this week talking about Washington, of course. Give it a listen if you have a few minutes. And you can read my work on ESPN.com as well as Mike's. I have a story up Saturday on Heineke and why he's a big star in Sewanee, Georgia, why he still matters there, and the roots from where he came. If you missed my podcast with former Washington tight end Logan Paulson earlier this week, give it a listen. He was damn good. Before I play my conversation with Taylor, I want to give you my prediction. I'm going to say that I feel okay with this pick. I could see it going a, a much better way for Washington, but right now I'm taking Washington in a close game. I think if Washington plays well, they could win by two scores. Problem is, we haven't really seen them play to that level yet. So I'm going to go with a 21-20 win. I actually think that's a little, I think that's that 21 points is not enough, but that's what I pick. So I'm going to stick with it. I do think, I do think the defense plays better. And to be honest, if they do play well, then Atlanta won't score this much. But my fear is that busted coverage or undisciplined coverage will lead to a big score for either Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts. But I also like defensive end Chase Young to have his first big game this season, despite him needing to still mature as a rusher and despite all the attention he's been under, when he rushes the way they want him to, he provides headaches. He still is a force when he does that. So while he's learning, he can still impact gains. And that's why I think he's going to record two sacks uh, against right tackle Caleb Gregory and with an immobile Matt Ryan. I think Young will either cause a fumble or an errant throw to be picked off. This is a good game for Chase Young. And again, one thing, and a little side note, he's obviously gotten a lot of the criticism and all that. I think a lot of that stems from, and I know he's been under the microscope. For me, a lot of it is, well, he's the big impact guy. He's the guy that can raise his level to a point where you think maybe he could be the best at his position at some point in his career. There's really nobody else that you're going to say that about. So that's why, and people want to know, well, he doesn't have any sacks. What's he doing? Well, this is some of what he's doing. And I went over the, some of this the other day, but some of it is the stutter steps. And Logan and I talked about that on the podcast. So that's why he's under this. But make no mistake, this kid can still play and affect games in a big way. And I think he does it Sunday. I'm curious to see how Kyle Pitts fares. Mike and I will discuss him shortly. But the linebackers, of course, need a better game. Can they play one? Well, I know what you're saying right now. The one who can keep improving, of course, is rookie Jamin Davis. 
and he's had success against Pitts in college. That helps. Davis has also improved, I think, each week. That helps. But those other linebackers have got to play better. And Cole Holcomb, I think, can still improve as well. To what level? We'll see. But he did make, he admitted he made a mistake. Or you go back to technique and the touchdown pass he gave up. And yeah, I thought the tight end probably pushed off. But the bottom line is at the line, what they want Holcomb to do is get his hands on the tight end. And he didn't do it. He could have thrown off the timing right away, making whatever call was or wasn't made irrelevant. That's what he's got to do. And so let's see what he does this week. Offensively, I know Atlanta has been okay against the run. They've been hurt more by quarterback runs. But if I'm Washington, I'm feeding Antonio Gibson on Sunday and getting him more touches. And knowing this practice Thursday, I do think at this time that they feel he is going to play. You can check back with me on Twitter, on ESPN.com for updates on Friday. But at this time, I do think he'll play. Gibson is running more patience, showing more confidence in his cuts. He's got that burst because he's a fast guy. He's a playmaker for them. And with a struggling defense and a passing game that needs some help, Gibson can provide a boost to both areas. Feed him. But I also like Taylor Heineke in his return to his native state. Again, if it goes well, I think this offense can put up more than 24 points. Will it go well? Heineke tends to throw a pick or two. I'm kind of kind of build in a mistake there. But he's also the sort of guy who wins games in these situations, returning home, the the you know, fairy book tale ending here with, with Heineke. That, you know, he's just that kind of guy. Atlanta's not going to run away from them. So staying in a close game allows Heineke to not feel that he has to make up two touchdown passes or two touchdowns with one pass. He has to be smarter. I think he's definitely going to be smart enough. And I think Washington really gets going here. I do think they win a close game. Washington gets back to 500. And by the way, that game, if, if the defense plays well up front, which they have every bit of chance to do so, it's going to be more than a close game. Washington back at 500. Now, after this break, I'll be back with Taylor Heineke as we discuss the lessons he's learned so far and which school ticked him off during recruiting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Taylor Heineke. So before I'm going to get into the hometown stuff, because it's a great thing, but I did want to go start with just a couple questions on some of the things that you have learned, because you only have started, this is only going to be your fifth start. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned so far as a starter? Um, it's really like throughout the years, I'll just say the five, six, seven years I've been in the league, to really just learn the NFL game. It's such a complimentary game. Um, in college, you can, if you have a really good offense, you can score more points and you're going to win. Um, that's not how it is in the NFL. You have to play 
you know, situational football. If it's third and long and you get eight yards of it, that's eight yards your defense has, doesn't have to, to do. You flip the field position. So um, that's one of the biggest things. And also, you know, just taking care of the ball. You know, turnovers kill you in this league. So uh, between those two things and, you know, kind of putting the defense in a good position, uh, all that does is help out the offense more too. So it's, it's a full team complimentary football, which is uh, the biggest thing I've learned. So how many plays do you go back and look at like, oh man, I wish I had that back because I see this guy and like, either I didn't trust what I saw or I should have gone here sooner. How many of those do you do? Uh, I mean, a good bit. Um, again, you know, even dating back to my first start against Atlanta and Carolina, there was a lot there that, you know, I just wish I hit the check down instead of trying to force the ball in. And um, again, you know, that's just something that you, everyone works on, um, but more so myself, just trying to work that stuff in practice. So. Um, I feel like we had a good week this week so far, and we'll, we'll continue to do well. I'm curious, one thing on Buffalo, too, and I know the game's over, but I'm curious, one of the things you learned, they seem to, from my uninformed perspective, disguise coverages very well, or at least change them a lot. Did they do more of that than a lot of teams, and how do you feel like you were able to respond to that? Yeah, you go, you go look at Buffalo, those guys have been playing together for a while. So, um, yeah, they, they try to disguise pre-snap, and then once that snap is know once the snap is going they, they kind of flip to something else and then and then they read routes so um, it's it's a lot to deal with at, at the quarterback when you see the, the rotation and you think you have the out and the corner jumps it and then, so it's you try to figure out what you know coverage they're running and then you have to remember what they what they do against certain routes and those coverages so um, again that was probably the best defense I've, I've ever played uh, a lot to learn from uh, I think it just made me better though but it's funny because there was one time where it looked like you wanted to hit DeAndre on a check down, and the, I think the corner starts coming up. It's like in a spot where he's really not – the corner, I think the corners maybe dropped a deep split safety, and then the safety maybe was coming up in a spot where you don't expect it. Is that – you know, that was just – it seems like the familiarity they have with each other. Do, do a lot of teams cover or disguise that well? No, not, not every team can disguise that well. Again, you know, when you play together for three years um, – you know all the checks. You guys played together for a while, um, and you know what each other's going to do. So um, again, that's a, that's a really good defense. They were in the AFC Championship last year for a reason, and um, again, you can see how how they're playing this year. They're 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 a very good football team. So again, it, it was a good test for us. We learned a lot from it, and I think we're uh, we're better this week because of it. Now the fun stuff. Going back to Atlanta, what does it mean to you to go back there and play? Because you're going to have at least 50, maybe 100 people there rooting for you. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool. Uh, first time I get to play in that new stadium, um, obviously against the hometown team, against the Falcons, and uh, in front of a lot of friends and family that haven't really seen me play uh, at the professional level. So um, it's going to be really cool. Um, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of Washington fans there, and um, hopefully they're, they're louder than the Atlanta fans. What, what does it mean, though? Because you grew up there and you starred there, and what kind of memories do you, you know, just even thinking about it, do you take from that time growing up? What do you think about it? I kind of just go back to my high school days. Um, it, it, my high school was really cool because everyone I played with in high school, I played with growing up since I was eight years old. So um, lots of good memories back at home, lots of really close friends. And again, for them to come and see me play in person, uh, it'll, be, it'll be a really cool deal. There's also a lot of people who felt like you could get this if you got the chance. You brought up your scouting report yesterday in the press conference that sound like something you had that from memory and all that. How often did you hear that? And do you still have maybe letters from colleges that maybe spell that out for you in a different way? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I, I have that implanted in the back of my mind. Uh, it's just fuel. Um, we use that for, you know, 
just for energy, you know. You go out there and you're like, hey, man, these guys don't believe in you. Uh, go prove them wrong, stuff like that. But I didn't keep any of those letters from those other schools, and I threw those away right away. And uh, But, again, you know, ODU gave me my shot. They were the first ones to pull the pin. Um, I'm grateful for that, but, you know, um, if I didn't go to ODU, I probably wouldn't be here right now. So, um, you know, every, everything happens for a reason. It's kind of come full circle. What other schools were started recruiting you? So, funny enough, uh, I actually talk, started talking to Richmond first, and um, I really wanted to go to Richmond. I went there on an unofficial visit with my dad to a game, and I said, hey, if they offered me right now, I would commit. Um, but they never offered, and then ODU comes along, and they offer me, and then the next day, Richmond offers, which kind of rode me the wrong way. Um, and then I didn't even hear from Georgia State until three weeks before signing day, and they were trying to get me to stay in Atlanta, and I was like, I'm an hour waiting down the road, and you guys, it took you guys this long to come talk to me. So, um, again, that's just, when ODU pulled the pin right away, uh, it meant a lot to me. So, again, um, probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for ODU. When I was talking to your high school coach, Kevin Reach, he was talking about his first memory really is of you learning the playbook like that. What, what why do you do you think you're able to learn it to that fast? Is it more about studying? Is it just something that makes sense to you right away? Because he was, as even was saying, in even like in a game plan week, most high school quarterbacks don't get it to Wednesday or Thursday, if at all. Yeah. So, uh, kind of dating back to when Coach Reach first got the job, um, I was really invested in football. Um, I, that was kind of when I was quitting baseball, and I, I really wanted to be a good a good quarterback. So. Um, my dad went over there, got the playbook, he brought it home, and I started looking at it, and things just started making sense right away. And that's when I think I really started getting the, the feel for the game. Um, and yeah, he would he would sit me down with a laptop, throw in the DVD of the, the opponent we're playing. He's like, just watch this for a couple hours. And I would just kind of watch and see tendencies and, and stuff like that. And again, I would kind of just kind of teach myself the game by just looking at film. And um, when Coach Reach asked me like, hey, what'd you see? And I would tell him, he'd be like, exactly, like this is, this is what we're looking for. This is what this plays for. This is and that. So um, it was a really cool deal. Coach Reach really made me a, a better football player. When do you think people in that area believed in you? Not just your growing up, it seems like everybody believed in you, but just in the, even the Atlanta region where they started to take notice of, oh, this guy can play. I think it was half my halfway through my senior year. Um, going into my senior year, we knew we had a good team, but all the reporters and everything had us going three and seven, four and six. And, um, you know, we, we went and had a 7-3 season, then we went to the semifinals. Um, that's the furthest we ever went at a high school like that. And so we were bit, we were beating top 10 teams in the, in the state, and, um, you know, people started, started recognizing us. So I think halfway through my senior year, we were putting up a lot of good numbers offensively, and, and that's when people started to take notice. It's funny, too, because when I talk to some of the people who, you know, Earl Williams, all those guys, some of the stuff you're doing now, you were doing back then, and he even brought up a play where I think you threw a pick in a game against Lowndes County, and he's coming up to you on the bench saying, hey, you're gonna get another chance, and you get another chance, you go down and score, kind of like the Giants game. What do you remember, that Lowndes County game too, seemed to be a, a big breakout game for you. What do you remember about that game? So you, when you live up in the Atlanta area, you always hear about South Georgia football and how it's better than you know the metro Atlanta area, so. Um, Going down there, they had a huge stadium. I think there was 20,000 people there. Um, they call it the Concrete Palace, I believe it was. Um, and I just remember them opening the gates for us to come on the field. And I saw the people, and I immediately threw up. Uh, but it was it was a good deal. We played a lot of Division One athletes on that defense. Um, 
and we had a great game. But yeah, you go back and I think I threw a couple picks that game. Um, but we just kept on going at it. We knew we, we could play with those guys. And, uh, you know, we believed in each other and we came out on top in overtime. So it was a big win for us. Um, I think that's what really put Collins Hill on the map and people started respecting our high school after that. You also had a play where there's the ball gets snapped over your head. You scramble around and throw a 26-yard touchdown pass, I think it was. What do you remember about that one? Yeah, so I still, I'm still buddies with my center um, <laughs> that happened to, and he keeps on blaming it on me. Um, so I don't know what happened. I think I you know, gave him the knee for him to snap it early, and he snapped it, went over my head. And I just remember um, it, it, the ball was kind of fumbling. It kind of had like a nice little bounce, went right into my hands. It kind of just rolled out right. I was thinking about throwing it away, and I see Brian Macy uh, kind of going to the back of the end zone. He was open, so I just chucked it out there, scored a touchdown, and um, it was nice hearing the whole crowd go go silent. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a play we'll never forget. Do you, when you went back and had your number retired, what did that mean to you? And did you see people, because of what you did against Tampa and you know you got your chance, were people looking, treating you differently or just the same old guy? Same old guy. Um, and I think that's cool. Um, I, I feel like I haven't changed since I've been in the league or since that Tampa game. Um, so I saw some teachers that I had in high school that came out for the golf golf outing, and uh, you know we caught up and you know talked about old times stuff like that. So it was super cool. Um, they're just really proud to see me um, living out my dream right now, and um, so the sports the sports really nice. What do you think you mean to that area? Um, hopefully something. Um, Every time I go back, I always try and, and talk to the high school kids. Um, even if they want to go out there and, and train, I'll go out there and train with them and try and uh, tell them some tidbits. I'm like, hey, man, like you, you were way, you're way ahead of where I was in high school. So you know, there's there's no excuse or no reason for you not to reach your goals here in the NFL. So you just keep on putting in the work. You know, keep focused. Um, stay out of trouble. Uh, you're gonna have your opportunity. So I think it it's resonating with a lot of guys. Um, you know, there, there's one specific kid, I forget his name, but he's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, um, he's trying to be a receiver. Um, he's not getting a lot of looks right now, but I said, hey, man, like, you got the size. You can catch the ball. You got the speed. Um, stop th overthinking it. Go out there and have some fun. Um, everything's going to take care of itself. Even if you go to a small school, that's fine. If you're good enough, they're going to find you. So um, I think a lot of guys are, are taken accustomed to that, and they, and they, you know, they just like being told the honest truth. So, um, you know, hopefully I mean something to them. But um, I just I just try and give it back whenever I can. Two, two more questions. One, to see your name in the record books with there's Trevor Lawrence is around. You have more yards than him for single season. You know Deshaun Watson is just one spot ahead of you. When you see those names around you, what does it mean? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, those guys are obviously great quarterbacks. Um, they're doing it at a high level. And um, I will have to say this though, I, you go back and look at my high school receivers. Um, they were there were some good some good dudes out there, and uh, I'm very fortunate to have them. They made me look pretty good, but um, that's that's a collective effort. And uh, again, it, it's cool to see your name up there with those guys. Last one. Um, so you talk about like some of the daughters and all that, and you know, the size and arm and all that. Why are you here? What kept you going, even though there was that line all along? I think it's the intangible things. I know that sounds corny or cliche but um, I feel like I'm a really tough guy that's not going to take no for an answer um, you tell me you're I'm too small and too short don't have a great enough arm I'm gonna find something that you know to 
hide that. You know, I'm going to try and be smarter than you. I'm going to try and be quicker than you. I'm going I'm to try and find a way to get it done. And, and so far, it's, it's, it's happened. It's, and it's been working well for me. So, you know, as long as I just keep, keep working at it, trying to keep getting better every day, um, I, think, I think we'll be, we'll be fine. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. After this break, I'll be back with Mike Rothstein from ESPN as we preview Sunday's game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Mike Rothstein. All right, Mike. Well, the Falcons are the hot team in this meeting. So what did... (laughs) And hot is a relative term, but what did the Falcons do better against the Giants that they can build on perhaps for this game? Well, they did a little bit of everything better. And I say that with caveat because offensively for about three quarters, they didn't look very good at all other than Corderell Patterson, who's been kind of a revelation. And I'm using that in air quotes that people can't see because a revel- he's a revelation who's averaging like three yards of carry, but mm-hmm. he's been good as an offensive option, an offensive weapon, which frankly is I think what a lot of you want to see out of the Atlanta offense and what Arthur Smith's trying to do. But what I felt like they did better is more on the defensive side of the ball. thought they did a good job keeping Kenny Galladay, C.J. Board, even Saquon Barkley in check, did a better job on the zone read. Now, that's not something I think we'll have to worry about yeah. as much this week. But they've shown that they can be better than what people thought. Now, what people thought was not very high. So take that for what it is. It's kind of a defense that's still learning Dean Pease's system, but they took steps. And I think that's really where they maybe learned some stuff. I think they've, moreover than anything offensively or defensively, though, they learned that they can believe. And I asked Arthur Smith about this. I actually wrote about it on ESPN.com for Monday. That was a big thing because they come off of two 20-point losses, 20-plus point losses, And they needed to see something positive. And the fact that they were resilient in the fourth quarter, came back, scored 10 points in the final five minutes to win the game, I think gives them something to build on. And that, I think, more than anything offensively or defensively, is something they can really feel good about and where they probably do feel good right now because they're seeing tangible progress in Arthur Smith's plan. And that is, frankly, maybe more important than anything they're going to do offensively or defensively at this point. And where were they better on defense? Because I know, listen, I know they have Grady Jarrett. I've always liked that guy. I know they have some problems at corner with with uh, TJ Green. So, what did they do better defensively, and where do you think they're really at there? They still need to get more of a pass rush. Grady Jarrett is a complete problem inside for whoever is your guard whoever is your center Grady Jarrett can win that battle he's uh, I play Madden a lot and he's the type of guy that you can like bull rush you, you if you use a bull rush move and this is like him being a human like bull rush move and just can bowl guys over and create complete havoc 
But other than that, their pass rush has been suspect, continues to be suspect. Dante Fowler is looking a little bit more like the Dante Fowler we saw with the Rams than what we saw in Jacksonville or last year with the Falcons. Some of that is some cleanup work that he's done, but he's gotten sacks in back-to-back weeks, and that's been very beneficial for him. Other than that, that's where I think they have problems is rushing the passer. They're very good at linebacker with Foye Aluakin. And Deion Jones to the point where Michael Walker is actually a really good player, but he just can't get on the field because they're mostly playing two inside backers and he's the third inside backer. So he's playing seven snaps a game and might be certainly in their top 11 overall defensive players. Their secondary is okay. It's better than people think. They're without, they were without AJ Terrell last week. He's still recovering from a concussion. Arthur Smith said Monday that he's still in the protocol, but that he's doing well. So that's going to be something to monitor all week. I think he's the type of guy that if they can get him back on the field by Thursday, that's a guy that you'll see on Sunday because he's their best corner. And it's frankly not close. If he doesn't play, TJ Green's the guy who will replace him opposite Baby and Moreau. Baby and Moreau, obviously, got the Washington is familiar with. Right. And he's been okay. He's been exactly what you would expect from Fabian Moreau, an average NFL corner. TJ Green is a long guy. He started training camp as a safety. They moved him outside the corner about midway through camp. And he's been okay. He's not going to make a bunch of flashy plays. They went at him a lot when he was on Kenny Galladay specifically against the Giants. And he kept him in front of him, which is kind of, I think, the most important part of that their safeties are experienced, Deron Harmon, Eric Harris, but can be susceptible because they're older guys. They're both 30, and they're a little bit slow. They've been rotating Jalen Hawkins, who's probably the future at the safety position, in with Deron Harmon for a couple series a game in the first half. We'll see what that looks like as the season continues to go because Jalen Hawkins has a lot of speed and some potential there. But that's really where they are defensively. I think the secondary is probably still their strength. Their linebackers are a definite strength. Their pass rush is where they run into some big-time problems. Can a team take advantage of them on the ground? I've seen their numbers. I know what the numbers are, but how is their run defense? Well, it's a little bit skewed, right, because they were so bad against the zone read in week one and they lost Jalen Hurts and because of that they started getting hesitant and then they couldn't deal with Jalen Hurts or Miles Sanders and everything kind of fell apart from there I think they've been better the last two weeks against the run to me it depends on where you're running if you're running toward that middle you know like between the guards really then you run right into the human wall that is Grady Jarrett and that's generally not going to be successful It's when you can run outside, that's when if they can't contain the edge, that's when you run into problems. And I mean, short passes are where teams can beat them. You saw that with Philly. You saw that with Tampa Bay. You even saw that a little bit with the Giants that that ends up being where they're a little bit susceptible because it also takes them out of some of what they want to do with slot corner pressure from Isaiah Oliver. And that's where things get a little bit different and Dean Pease has to adjust. Let's switch to the offense side of the ball. How has Matt Ryan looked? Oh, man. I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, <laughs> it's it's questionable, right? Because the offensive line has not been great, and that hurts them. The receiving core is Calvin Ridley and a bunch of question marks, and that hurts them. And they haven't been able to really get Kyle Pitts involved, I think, as much as people would have thought but people forget that, you know, tight ends take a while. 
all of that is prefaced for saying Matt Ryan has been checking down a lot this year. Now, Matt Ryan, Arthur Smith, even Calvin Ridley have all explained that basically teams are taking away intermediate and deep so that he's taking what's available, which is a lot of Corderell Patterson, a lot of Mike Davis. They're two running backs. They're really only two running backs, both of whom are pass catching backs. But his air yards per target, his yards per completion, his yards per target are all really the lowest of his career. And it does lead to some questions. They just haven't taken many deep shots at all, which I know is an area that Washington can be susceptible. So maybe this is a week that they do that, but that just hasn't been a feature in their offense so far. If anything, it's been kind of a, hey, we're going to try this every once in a while. And by once in a while, I mean like once or twice a game, but they did it in the fourth quarter against the Giants. That was really how Kyle Pitts got his only targets Two of his three targets were on deeper balls. So that's maybe something they look at this week to try and open up the offense a little bit because it has not looked like an offense that's been in any sort of sync for any sort of consistent period of time. Our team's getting a lot of pressure on them. They are. Uh, it's gotten better by the week. The week, week one was bad. They, they held up okay in that first half, but then the second you became one-dimensional. Right. If you're the Falcons, it was over, especially Jalen Mayfield. I mean, he's their rookie left guard. He's out of Michigan, played tackle at Michigan. He had one of the worst debuts I think I've ever seen, especially from an offensive lineman, but maybe from a player in general, to the point where they brought in a couple offensive linemen on the practice squad the next week to kind of challenge him. He's been better every week since. So they've been better protecting Matt Ryan, but it's still not – a really great offensive line. And it's an area where that defensive front four of Washington can really cause some major problems there, especially because they have, it's not like they just have four, that fifth guy in Matthew Iannotis is such a problem and he's not even really a starter for them. So right. that's where I think it gets really intriguing because it's not like that there's a dip once those starters come out. There's still that pressure there. And that's going to be a challenge. Caleb McGarry, their right tackle, I think, he's not been great this year, uh, former first-round pick. And that's an area where I think Washington can really exploit. Which will be Chase Young. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, and like That's Chase, you need to know, right? Yeah, and like, and I've always said, like Chase has had has had a slow start for what he and everybody else expected, but I don't think it would take long for him to make a a, a statement game because the talent is there. Um, with with well, Kyle McGarry can offer that option. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, with Kyle Pitts, why? Ha I know they're splitting him out a lot of slot, flexing him out, and all that, but only like you said, only three targets. What are teams just taking him away, or what's what's going on there? I know there's a lot of bracketing stuff too. Yeah, I know. So I asked Arthur Smith this on Sunday and he started getting all impassioned about surface narratives and, you know, everything that goes along with that. He's not wrong because they were taking Kyle Pitts away. They've been treat teams have been treating Kyle Pitts unlike other rookies in that they're paying a lot of attention to him. I would argue as much attention as they're paying to Calvin Ridley because the other options, frankly, on Atlanta's pass catching roster are Okay, not great. I thought they would be better, frankly. Russell Gage hurt at the moment with an ankle injury. I think that changes some things. But then you're looking at Alameda Zacchaeus, who's a Virginia guy. Then you're looking at Hayden Hurst, who has not really been involved in the offense this year, and the running backs, which is Checkdown City, which we talked about. So I think that teams are just saying, well, you know what? We're going to make those other guys other than Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley beat you. And Matt Ryan's forcing the ball in a little bit to Calvin Ridley anyway, 11 targets, even though he's getting a lot of attention. 
So I think the teams are just making a concerted effort to take away Kyle Pitts, and that's something he's going to have to learn how to deal with. And I think you know they can do a better job scheming up some things early in games to get him going. But I think it's just teams really taking him away. I know the fan base is very frustrated about Kyle Pitts not getting that type of work. But what do you want him to do? Force a ball in a coverage over and over again? That seems silly when you can dunk, you know, dunk down to Davis or Patterson and get six or seven yards. Why force it? So I understand it from that perspective. Kyle Pitts, to his credit, has said he understands he needs to be patient. He understands that this is the situation. And he seems like he's not frustrated by it. He's just kind of going out there and saying, okay, if you're going to take me away, I've, the Falcons have other people that are going to make you kind of you know pay last thing what how do you think this plays out sunday oh man i I think it's a close game you know it's a tough one john because the john like they beat the giants right giants are not a good football team but they also i don't know if they would have won had the Giants not lost Blake Martinez, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton, all, I think, by the beginning of the second right. quarter. So all – and Kenny Galladay was playing hurt. So all of a sudden, your your offense is basically me, you, uh, the football helmets that are behind you, and like a tin can. You know, I mean, they had a guy named Colin Johnson who I don't think many people even at all knew who he was playing significant snaps for them. So I don't know how – I, I just don't know. That said, I think Atlanta did find something that they can hang their hat on a little bit. I think they're understanding the offensive defense a little more. And I think Washington wins this game, but I think it's a closer game than what you might anticipate. I think Atlanta, I saw Atlanta is about favored by one, which when you consider the three point home bomb means that people think Washington will win by two for Vegas does. So you know, I think it's a, I think it's a final possession game, which as writers, we all love. Oh, and, God. <laughs> and I think, but I think Washington wins it because I just think that that defensive line is just going to be really problematic for them. And it's frankly the third elite defensive line that they will have faced in four weeks, because we all know what Philly can do on their defensive line with Fletcher Cox. Um, listen, Tampa's entire defense is really good, but that defensive line with Bay and Sue is really problematic. So these guys have seen that. And I think that's where it is cliche, but that's where it comes down to. If their offensive line can take another step, I think Atlanta can really win this game. If they can't, Washington can, Washington will win this game. And, and that's the area where it could get ugly. There you go. Tell people where they can find you and your podcast. Yes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Obviously, all of my work on ESPN.com as far as written stuff. And then my podcast is called From the Perch. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's still a new podcast. We're less than 10 episodes in. So check it out. And you can hear a familiar face. Uh, there you go. That's me. That'll drop Thursday. And that, right. And that's why I tell people, go listen to it. Because we were talking from a Washington angle. And you get my perspective on the questions about Washington. So it'd be a worthy download. So, Mike, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks. Anytime, John. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Taylor and Mike for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode after Sunday's game. Talk to you next time.